Blog Talk Radio. This week's Dungeon Crawlers Radio is brought to you by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash Dungeon Crawlers Radio to start your free trial membership. Broadcasting live from the DCR studio. Oh, yeah! The Geek Revolution starts here. Excellent! Get ready for the number one hit geek radio show out there. Well, it is impressive, isn't it? Because it's time for Dungeon Crawlers Radio. All right, welcome to another exciting episode of Dungeon Colors Radio. We where um, I don't know what are we doing? Uh, probably a ball pit and at least one of the fun slides. Yes. Oh, we got fun slides. Yeah, and a ball pit. Yeah, we have awesome. a ball pit. We should get one of those things. It's like those bouncy cages with the bouncer thing. Oh, the bouncy house. Oh, bounce houses. Yes, and you might want to turn up Zakora's microphone just a little bit. She just she Sorry. stops spoken. It doesn't matter. I try to speak I mean, up. You per- it's, it's the weirdest thing. When you sing, you're loud. But when you talk, <laughs> it's like a mouse. It's yeah. awesome. Well, well, it also doesn't help that she's sitting right next, next to, to you. Who's yeah. the loudest person in existence, most likely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a good chance. If you hear that, you're going to have drops. <laughs> Flagoon, loudest guy in the world. Bring it. All right. Bring we'll put that to the test. Put that to the test. Yes, so uh, some amazing stuff uh, that's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, tonight we have author Carrie Vaughn coming on, talking about her new book, uh, Low Midnight, which I have a copy here. Uh, and then we also have the You Geek Media guys, uh, Dennis Yay. and Adrian coming on. They're going to talk about some stuff. The Hobbit, Fantasy Gone, yeah. some other <laughs> stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, big news. Um, big news. Um, and then we also have uh, Omar that's uh, setting up Baja Comic Con this next year, and he's going to be talking to us about that. And not only that, this this is sadly probably, I, I, unless we, we're trying to figure out some logistics, but this may be the last live show of the year. Oh, or maybe God. not. We may have a Christmas special for you. Maybe. Uh, I, I would like to say we go non-denominational and just say Xmas. Xmas. Xmas special. Ho- holiday special. Did you? No, did holiday, you? Holiday is too foreboding. I, I, okay. I, I like Xmas myself. Did you know that Xmas is actually like X is a sign of like there's all this research about why X is actually a symbol. You need to of talk Christ. louder. People aren't hearing you. Yeah, X is I'm a symbol seeing the, of the Christ. First light uh, yeah, barely I, I see it as, So yeah, it's as actually redaction. Yeah. Sure. Okay. But technically, it's not. Wow. Technically, it's not. Technically, okay. it actually there, is a replacement for. It. Okay. Not a redaction. That's true. Viewpoint is everything. I'll just say it's. The day you wake up and find presents under your tree day. It's a good day. That's it. <laughs> I like we'll it. We'll call it that so there's no arguing. That's you, interesting, that's though. You I mean, find do boxes you, and other gizmos. What do you call it at your house? And you, you, like, it's all about Santa and stuff still? I kind of view it as the old pagan tradition of celebrating the uh, winter solstice. Yeah. Well, that's what it is. Yeah. yeah. Even though the winter solstice was like four days earlier. Yeah. Well, so. well but 
technically, they still, I mean, they well, had like days, days yeah. of celebration. Uh, so. right. let's, let's, get a, let's get away <laughs> from, from that. Wow, we've, we've changed from a geek show to <laughs> something else. Anyways, uh, this is Revan. It's the Catholic Joe. Church's fault. Lagoon. The Cora. And Drew <laughs> is, not is in here. Michigan. Oh. Probably playing with uh, Detroit Gaming Group or something like that. Yeah. Oh, that would be or, cool. If he yeah. found them. Yeah. Uh, so if you, many of you have noticed, uh, we've had a upgrade on our website. We've leveled awesome. up. It's still in process. Yeah, we're working out the stats. You yeah. know, got to know where we want to put that extra feet. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we've gotten rid of the feet. Yeah. It's, we're not doing three five. We're doing five. There's still feet in five. There is. There are yeah. feet packages. Okay, you got yeah. a point. So we have All a right. feet package. So Absolutely. we're putting together a feet package for you. <laughs> looks like we already got our first call. Yes, right. and that is probably Carrie. Okay. Awesome. Let's somebody take this. And welcome to Dungeon Crawlers Radio. Who's calling? This is Carrie. Well, welcome to the show, Carrie. How are you today? I'm doing okay. All right, just seeing if we got sound levels. Anybody else here fine? I can hear fine. All right, good to hear. <laughs> Yay, everything works. <laughs> Yay. Everything works in the new location. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> so, uh, so Carrie, uh, can you tell us a little bit about your, your new book, Low Midnight? Um, yes. Low Midnight is a spinoff from my usual series, which is the Kitty Norville series about a werewolf who hosts a talk radio show. And Low Midnight stars... Uh, the character who's probably the most popular character in the series, apart from Kitty herself, he's the bad boy, bounty hunter type, ex-con. Um, everybody loves him because everybody loves the bad boy. And now he's getting his own book. Um, and it's something I've been wanting to do for a long time, so I'm really glad it's about to be out in the world for everyone to see. So it's a spin-off book. Uh-huh. All right. It's still kind of part of the series, the the story is uh, continues the, the kind of ongoing storyline that's been part of the Kitty series, but he kind of branches off onto his own adventure in this one. And people will get to see how his mind works, what makes him tick. All right, so can you tell us a little bit about the character for those uh, people out there, our listeners, that haven't read the Kitty books before? Yes, Uh Kitty meets him in the first book. He is a bounty hunter who specializes in supernatural beings. So when they first meet, he's he's trying to kill her, basically. He's been hired to kill her because that's what he does. And she talks him out of it, um, which, of course, he finds intriguing. So they become friends over the course of the next few books. He spends some time in jail, um, and while in, in prison, he encounters the ghost of a woman who was wrongly executed for murder a hundred years before. Um, So she's a a Victorian wizard, basically. He he comes to find out that she's a magician with um, lots of arcane powers that allowed her to survive her own uh, execution, and now they're working together. Uh, The the tagline would be, he's an ex-con bounty hunter, she's a disembodied Victorian wizard, and they solve crime. <laughs> they solve crime. That is awesome. Why don't they make <laughs> that a TV That's the elevator series? pitch. We need exactly, a TV right? series of that. I mean, come on. I'd watch it. Perfect. Yeah. I mean, we sort of have something like that, sort of with Forever. I mean, Victorian. No, I know. haven't even watched Forever, so I, yeah. I, I don't know. I have. I like Werewolves. Um, well, it's just it's, it's a uh, 
medical examiner that's been around since the 1800s, and every time he dies, he shows up naked in a body of water. Hey. <laughs> yeah, it, it, isn't it on right after Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? So I always see the yeah, ads it for it because I, I watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's sort of, um, I don't know, like Highlander meets... Um, Quincy MD. <laughs> you know? Yeah, kind of. It kind of is. With a side of Castle knockoff. Yeah. Castle right. Knockoff. There you yeah. go. Yeah, because they're go. in New York, well, it, and you've got a female yeah. cop the detective that d- does homicide, and this guy knows everything. He can look at a dead body and say, "Oh, he was strangled or choked on something." And yeah, that's what a hundred years of experience gives you. Yeah. yeah. The yeah. difference with Cormac is he's got this this woman. Is she's basically a ghost, and she's kind of living inside his head. She needs a body, um, and she they they made a deal in prison, so she's borrowing his, um, which is kind of a new experience for both of them. So does that bring up quirky moments where she kind of takes over his body, and maybe hijinks begin? <laughs> well, she's the one who works the magic, and because his his he's a convicted felon now, so he's not technically supposed to have weapons like guns and things he's Mm -hmm. that's against the law for him um you know if he was caught with guns he would be sent back to prison as long as he's on parole and um so he's he's beginning to see that magic has its uses but since she's the one who knows everything he kind of has to let her um work the magic so yeah it's it's um it's kind of fun because the people around them can't always tell um who's in charge and they may not even know that someone else is charge, in charge, and they both have very different speech patterns. Um, and he's huh. the fighter. She's not a fighter. So, you know, there, there is some negotiating that goes on. And I'm hoping, um, since the rest of the books are in Kitty's point of view, the readers have never gotten to see kind of how this works between the two of them. And so I'm, I'm excited about the new book because they'll actually be able to see, um, you know, what it's like to be inside Cormac's head with uh Amelia, who's, who's the, the wizard, um, basically living there, offering commentary <laughs> you know, every minute of the day. So what has been, like, some of the uh, some of the new contrasts, these new, um, the, I guess, the, the, the difference of, of opinion, I guess, between, uh, between Kitty and Cormac that you've noticed writing this book? Um, like the differences between writing Kitty versus writing Cormac? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, Kitty's an optimist. Um, she doesn't like violence. Um, she would rather talk things out, and she's been pretty successful with that. You know, I, I wouldn't go so far as to say that she's a pacifist, but she's definitely um, one of these "why can't we all just get along" um, types. And that's been—I mean—that's the crux of her point of view: is, is being a diplomat and trying to, to work things out and see um, what she can do to make sure people get along. And Cormac is not like that at all. He he doesn't talk. He would rather uh, just kind of knock heads together to get his way. Um, he's a pessimist. He assumes the worst of people. So you know, I've been asked about the gender. You know, is it is it different writing from a male point of view versus a female point of view? Um, but I would say there's so many other character traits between the two of them that play such a bigger part. Um, you know, writing an optimist versus a pessimist, writing somebody who's nonviolent versus somebody who would just rather, um, you know, destroy his problems than try to work them out. Um, <laughs> and and that, it, it's been very, 
very interesting, but it is a very different mindset uh, writing about Cormac. Um, you know, because with Kitty, I'm always like, well, what crazy thing is going to come out of her mouth now? What crazy thing is she going to say? And Cormac just doesn't talk all that much. Um, but so it was a lot of fun. Of, what mm-hmm. kind of research did you have to go through to, to write a, a male character? Um, mostly it's, you know, just looking at the guys I know, um, looking at characters like that, um, you know, biographies, what kind of person, you know, am I trying to convey here? And, and so, you know, the books take place in Colorado mostly. So I, I was really going for kind of a frontier, old west, um, you know, Cormac's a bit of a cowboy. And, and so looking at that, um, that character type you know, more than anything else. Uh, and just having a really good picture in my mind of what I wanted to convey with that character. So uh, in your writing of this, did you ever have, like, any moments where you had to kind of sit back and just kind of, like, ask yourself, what would Cormac do? Because you originally, like, wrote it out how your main character would. I'm sorry, can you repeat that just that last little bit? Uh, have you ever had... Uh, I'm sorry, I'm on, I'm on, like, the really, really quiet mic. But uh, have you ever had a moment where... <laughs> You've had to sit down and ask, what would Cormac do in this situation? Oh, yeah, yeah, and that, that's what writing is. You know, writing any character like that is, is what, would, what would this person be likely to do. And that's why stories sometimes take left turns and take unexpected directions that you didn't plan. You know, you can sit down and have the most detailed outline uh, you can think of, but if your character... You know, if you figure out that your character would naturally do something else instead, uh, you kind of have to leave your outline behind and, and listen to the character and, and do what makes sense for the character. Um, were there, you know, were like there any said, particular... No. Sorry, do you want to finish that? Oh, um, I'll just, you know, you know, Cormac's not a talker. Cormac is, is going to wade into a problem and, and beat it up, you know, in most situations. Um, and And that's... That's definitely, you know, Kitty's more like me than Cormac is, so it's easier for me to sit down and say, well, Kitty would do this um, because it's closer to what I would do. But uh, but Cormac, I definitely had to be aware of. No, he he would actually punch the guy in this situation <laughs> rather than not. So when you were writing these uh, these scenes out where McCormick is just punching the guy out as opposed to witting his way through the uh, situation, did you find any, like, did you find that cathartic at all, or did it just kind of, like, rub you the wrong way a little bit to go for the violence as opposed to the sass, one would say. Oh, it, well, it's kind of fun, um, because what I found is that it it wasn't, you know, th- thinking from, you know, a, a, the point of view of a character who, who kind of goes towards violence, what I discovered is that it it's a very controlled violence, at least with this particular character. Uh, so I'd be writing those scenes, and it's not a matter of, like, he loses control in a rage and starts punching people. He was very tactical about it. So he'll be in the situation, and he'll think, you know, sort of like the Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes, where he, you know, they'd have those scenes where he would plan out all of his fights, and then they would show you the fight, you know, going the way that he planned it. And that's what I found is with this with this character is he will sit there and think, okay, this guy's over there, that guy's over there, I need to take out this guy, grab that guy's weapon, you know. Um, and that was kind of fun. That was not something I had ever really done before, um, and, and I enjoyed that quite a bit. So this wizard that is kind of accompanying him in his mind, does does she kind of go, is she good with going along with the shoot first, ask questions later type of a an attitude, or does she tend to be, does she try to rein him in a little bit? 
She actually is. I think she finds it very. I, she's the one who finds it cathartic. Maybe she's she finds it very invigorating. <laughs> because, but it, you know, somebody who lived. She, you know, she was alive in the the eighteen eighties and eighteen nineties. She was a woman. She wore corsets. You know, very strict society. She's very used to controlling her behavior and not um, acting out and not you know, being demonstrative. And suddenly she's she's with this guy who can pretty much do whatever he wants, whenever he wants. And um, and I think she's enjoying herself immensely. Um, and she has her own set of tools. She's got a lot of um, kind of offensive-type magic. She can do magical attacks. She can do magical defenses. And I think the fun of writing these two is that they're, they're kind of working out a system where they can work together Um you know, to, to kind of optimize both of their skill sets. And um, I'm hoping to write more books about them because I think that it's just going to get better and more fun, you know, to see to see where they go. I th- oh, so we're not so we're not done exploring uh, uh, Cormac as a, as a character then more completely. We've, we've got more books on the way, I assume? I do. I have uh, another Kitty book that will be out next August. It's called Kitty Saves the World. Uh, so <laughs> big action in that one. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm hoping to kind of uh, continue writing about Cormac and Amelia, and Amelia is in um, you know more mystery oriented rather than the the urban fantasy action adventure type stories that I've been doing. Because uh, I figured the two of them can just uh, you know put out a shingle as paranormal investigators and go to town. And this is almost kind of like the man with two brains. <laughs> Less Steve Martin. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I mean, it's it's really kind of cool because you have this guy that you know, like you said, he 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 reacts and asks questions later. But then you have this 1800s woman that is probably severely oppressed and has magic. I just see lots of fun and hijinks. You get happening. a lot of good images, like her oh, yeah. kind of cheerleading in yeah. the background. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm hoping for, and and you know, watch there's occasional little flashbacks from when she was alive, and and you know the kind of adventures that she had when she was alive, you know how she learned her magic and and where all that came from, and um, just the contrast between the two of them is just um, a huge amount of fun to write, and so I hope people really enjoy reading the book. Ah, okay. So um, I'm, I'm kind of curious then because we were talking about. Um, the planning the, the the action and you're writing the action scenes. I mean, was that uh, how? What was that like then? Walk us through what it was like writing action scenes when you were when your other characters are sort of not used to doing that sort of thing. What I mean, what went into that? Yeah, I, I've never quite been asked that in in that way. So I have to think about this a minute uh, because it's something. You know, I have to plan out what what I want the scene to do. Um, and it's a matter of, you know, tracking where everybody starts out. You know, it's a little like stage blocking, you know, where where everybody starts out and where I want them to end up. But an action scene has to be more than just people moving. Um, you know, I think we've all read kind of unsatisfying fight scenes where, the, you know, they go into detail about, you know, he did a this kind of karate chop on, on the person's elbow and then shifted two feet and then kicked out with, you know, so it's all you know, just describing bodily movements rather than, um, so what I'm trying to do instead is, is focus less on the actual movements of, you know, who's doing what to whom, and more on the, the feeling of what it's like to be in the middle of that action scene. 
Um, mm-hmm. So while I'm planning out kind of the physicality of it, what I really want to convey to the reader is is the feeling of being in the middle of it. Um, you know what what your body feels like, what um, you know the kind of emotional state that you get into when you're in the middle of a fight. I've done some fencing and rapier combat, so um, I, I try to draw on that experience um, where there are times where the world really does kind of slow down when you're in a, a fast fight and you can kind of see what's going to happen. Um, so, you know, there there is a, a an emotional sense that I'm trying to convey there. And, and um, you know, I try to do that and then just make up, make sure all the characters end up where I want them to end up, you know, <laughs> figure out who who's, who gets injured, you know, who who doesn't get injured, who, uh, who runs away, you know, who stays there, who, who what um, what information I want to convey, uh, do I want to reveal anything, like does somebody have a power or a talent that I want to reveal in that fight scene, um, and then just focusing on the emotion of it more than anything. Mm-hmm. That is so awesome. It gets me really excited just hearing you talk about it. But I know for me, when I read a book and I you, you're um, looking from a person's point of view and you're feeling their emotions, you're reading about their emotions and you're in the middle of the fight scene, what you're describing, it really captures the attention of the reader. It makes you want to not put the book down. It sounds right, uh, right. Yeah, I want to get people's hearts <laughs> racing, you know, and because that's what I like when I'm a reader. I'm the same way. Is is if I can feel some kind of emotion as I'm reading, that's the goal. That's uh, that. You're right. I think that's what keeps people turning the pages more than anything else. Uh, so, I mean, you're uh, with all the with, um, you're bringing up like getting you know work basically working the crowd, so to speak, getting you know mani- almost manipulating emotions, getting the readers to feel certain emotions. Was there were there times oh, yeah. when you were writing and you felt so overcome with like you were either way too sad that something happened or was there a time that you felt that like that was too awesome I need to maybe scale it back a little? Oh no no if I'm feeling that awesome about my own writing then I know I'm onto something. Um, what you know what I love is when you know, I'm sort of racing towards the end of the book, and, and other writers will probably back me up on this, but you get to a point, maybe about three-quarters, you know, you've written three-quarters of the manuscript, you've got all of these balls in the air, you're trying to tie all of these threads together, and there's there comes a point where the emotion just kind of, or the, the, the momentum that you have just kind of pushes you forward, and you can't stop writing. You just have to write the rest of it now. So if you're doing it right, um, it is, uh, you know, this great, feeling of awesomeness you know it doesn't last because once you finish the draft and then you go back to it and you see everything that's wrong with it but while you're you're kind of in the throes of that awesomeness it's a great feeling um Mm -hmm. but that's what i'm looking for it's it's i have if i don't feel awesome about it while i'm writing it then i can't expect the readers to feel awesome about it so i'm absolutely trying to push the envelope and go over the top um it's very rare um you know times that i felt like i've had to pull back um, you know, I try so, to listen to my gut. Um, in uh, your process of bringing everything together and, and bringing everything to like a climax, did you ever find an instance where you really wanted to put something in or you, you wanted something to go a certain way, but you felt like you shouldn't go that way? You know, sometimes in, in plot wise, and it's really hard to remember examples from the past because once I decide something shouldn't, go into the book or should go shouldn't go a certain way. I kind of literally forget about it like I don't remember. That's that's one way of telling that I've gone the right way. If I can't remember the other way that I was trying to do, then I know that the way that I actually did it was the right way, if that makes sense. That was kind of convoluted. Yeah. Um Yeah. 
but yeah, um, um, and a lot of times that's what beta readers will do. You know, they'll come back. Um, a couple of books ago, uh, Kitty Rocks the House, I think it was, um, there's a, a recurring character who leaves at the end of the book, Rick the Vampire. This is a spoiler, everybody, but um, but it's a really good example that, you know, in my first draft, um, a lot of traumatic things happen in the book. And, you know, one of my readers came back after the first draft and said, it's missing something. You know, after all of that traumatic stuff, there has to be a cost or, or a feeling of loss. Um, you know, I, I set it up so that, you know, this one character would actually die. And I couldn't bring myself to kill him because he, he's too good of a character and I want to do things with him later on. But there was a, an opening to have him leave, to have him kind of go on a pilgrimage and, and walk the earth like Cain from Kung Fu. Um, but, you know, I was so attached <laughs> to this character. <laughs> you know, I, don't, I didn't want to get rid of him. But, the, but my beta reader was right, is that I set it up for him to go away for a while. Um, so I had to do that. I rewrote it. So, you know, he doesn't die. He doesn't get killed, but he goes away. And he has a really good reason to go away, and it makes perfect sense. And um, But it balances off this sense of loss. You know, there needed to be a sense of loss after what had happened. And, and that's what did it. That, that made it um, happen. And it was totally right. And this is why beta readers are so important, because they see things like that, that sometimes, um, you know, myself, the original author, doesn't see because I'm too close to it, or I had you know, a pattern stuck in my head, and I couldn't get rid of it until somebody said, hey, you should do it this way instead. Oh, okay, so it is possible then to be too close to your, uh, I guess, too close to the action. You don't get to see the full scope of what's going on. Right, right, yeah. Um, You know, because if if you've been working on it from kind of a chapter-to-chapter standpoint, um, you know, or you're too focused in on the scenes, like the actual scenes themselves, that you don't see the whole big picture. Or the opposite happens sometimes as well, is that you're so focused on kind of this big overarching plot that you want to see that you don't always see that individual scenes aren't contributing to that big plot. You know, you have a scene that you may think is the greatest scene ever, um, but if it doesn't have anything to do with that big plot, then you have to cut it out. You have to get rid of it because it's distracting. Um, but that's hard to see sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, huh. I think so it's one of the hardest things. I'm oh, sorry? Oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead, sorry. Um, you know, from, from teaching workshops and critiquing manuscripts and, and then also from my own work, I think one of the hardest things that, that writers have to learn is how to look at their own work objectively. Um, because they read, you read over your own manuscript that you've written, and you don't always see the words on the page. You see the thing in your head, this great story in your head that you've been trying to tell. Whereas somebody else, all they have to go on is the words on the page. Um, and if those two things don't match up, then the reader's not going to get the experience that you want them to have. So you really have to learn to see what's actually on the page and not what's in your head. Um, and it's a very hard thing to learn. It just it takes a lot of time and experience to learn how to do that. Mm-hmm. So I take it then the first uh, those those first uh, tries at right uh, your your first books, the, your first manuscripts and stuff probably weren't. Uh, I guess meeting that criteria, I, I assume that there was some uh, uh, incongruency between what you were writing and what you were trying to convey. Well, yeah, exactly. I, I wrote a lot of stuff that never saw the light of day. Um, thank goodness. <laughs> I, I, I had three novels that I wrote that didn't sell. I had two novels that I wrote that I didn't even try to sell. Um, it's like I didn't even show them to anybody. Um, and you know, writing is a skill. You have to practice it. You know, you 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 have to learn 
you know, writing it definitely is a manipulation. It's not even a, a little bit, <laughs> you know. Um, uh, that, that, yeah, you are trying to get the reader to see what you, you know, that picture you have in your head, and it takes, you know, words are kind of the tools to get, to help you do that. And you have to learn how to do that. And, um, yeah, it takes a lot of practice. You know, I think there there are a few people out there who are able to do it right off the bat, but um, but for the rest of us, it just uh, it, well, a lot of reading as well, not just writing, but reading. Um, you know, reading really good books and figuring out how they did it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a really important skill for people to learn as well. So, do you have anyone that um, you would say inspired you to become a writer, or um, inspired you along your way of becoming an author um yeah uh i mean a lot the first thing that inspires me um like a lot of other writers is is other books um you know talking about reading those great books uh ray bradbury uh, robin mckinley um you know those were two authors that i read as a teenager and they made me feel so emotional they made me feel so much um that you know they were so great and i could read them over and over and over again and i wanted to learn how to do that and i think that's when i really became writer an aspiring writer is just you know reading their books and, and thinking you know they're doing something magical with words it's just words on a page but i really feel something and and wanting to learn how to do that um other people along the way i i was very lucky to have um you know my parents were supportive and i had quite a few supportive teachers along the way um who when i talked to them about writing and wanting to be a writer uh, they supported me. They didn't tell me I had to go get a real job you know, or I had to have something to fall back on um, is the one you always get told. And then um, they just said, go for it. And that uh, that helped a lot, That especially getting started as early as I did. I, I wanted to be a writer since I was a teenager. And I don't think I would have had the confidence to actually give it a try if I hadn't had so many people around me saying that it was okay um, to try it. Yeah. So then, that is good. That is, that is really good. They had such a good support system. So I mean, well, uh, it is, and yeah, sorry. Well, especially I've, I've I've met so many writers since then who didn't get that support. That you know, they had people saying, "Well, you can't write. You 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 know, nobody makes a living writing. You have to have something else. You have to get a real job. Um, you don't have any talent. You can't do it." And it takes them years to get over that. So they don't start writing until their thirties, and. You know, I've, I've talked to people like that, and they, you know, almost um, universally, they feel like they're catching up. They spend the rest of their lives feeling like they're catching up, and that they wasted a lot of time um, by by not believing that they could do it when they wanted to do it. So then, what would your advice be to aspiring writers? What would you tell them? I would say to to write as much as they can, write a little bit every day, uh, finish what they write. Um, you have to practice endings as much as you have to practice everything else. You know, a lot of aspiring writers, they'll get started on something and then they'll, they'll kind of lose steam. Um, and you have to push through that to get to that, that ending part. Um, and then the reading, uh, like I mentioned, um, you, I don't think you can be a writer without being a great reader as well and, and studying what you read. Uh, if you hate a book or you hate a story, figure out why. What did that story do that made you um, not like it, that, that made you disengage from it? Um, if you read something that you love, figure out why you love it. Was it the characters or the setting or the language? 
Um, and you can use that. You know, it, it, every time you kind of collect that data, um, you incorporate it into your own writing, I think, and that's really important. Great. Good. Oh, great words. So uh, after, I'm pretty sure you're you're going to be pretty much me time for the next few weeks, uh, given the uh, the holidays coming up. But uh, are you going to oh, be making I, I any? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> are you going to be making any appearances, uh, you know, signings or conventions uh, in the near future that uh, you want to get the word out so uh, people can come meet you in person? Yeah, I'd love to. I've, I've actually got a lot of stuff coming up. Yeah, I, I laughed about the holidays because I, I didn't have any deadlines or events in December, so I sort of used the month to do a bunch of stuff I've been wanting to do for a while. Uh, so I just released a novella on ebook called Paranormal Bromance um, that's available on all the ebook platforms. Um, and so, you know, that, that was sort of like my, okay, my holidays can start now because I got that project off my plate. Um, on January 12th, I will be at the John Cocteau Cinema in Santa Fe. This is George R. R. Martin's theater that he runs, or that he has people run. Um, and I'll be doing a reading and Q&A and signing there. Um, that's January 12th, I think it's 7. Um, in February, I will be signing books at the Book Bin in Salem, Oregon on, I think, February 5th. And then I will be at HowlCon. Uh, which is a werewolf convention that's going on in Vancouver, Washington. Um, that first weekend, I think it's the 6th and 7th or 7th and 8th, that, that Saturday, Sunday in there. I don't have a calendar in front of me, which is why I'm getting the dates all screwy. Um, but if you go to my website, these these are all up there. Um, the following weekend, I'll be going to Boscone, um, which is a convention in Boston. And I've never been – I don't do very much on the East Coast because I'm in Colorado, and it, it's, it's a long flight. <laughs> so – um, so I'm looking forward to heading out to the East Coast and, and getting to chat with people out there. All right. Well, you mentioned your website. What's uh, uh, what's the uh, web address so we can get the word out and then we'll we'll post it in our Facebook for you? Oh, that'd be great. It's carryvon.com. So simple. Awesome. <laughs> Super what about, easy. Uh, do you yeah. Have, do you have Facebook or Twitter? I mm-hmm. I am on Facebook. Um, just Carrie Vaughn. Um, I think right now I've got the cover for Low Midnight on my profile, so I'm pretty easy to find. I also have a WordPress blog. It's Carrie V uh, at WordPress. Um, and I Great. just kind of wander on about everything on that blog. <laughs> you know, it's very casual. And she's lots of friends with our other friends. <laughs> <laughs> she and Tom's in here. <laughs> Well, thank you very much, Carrie, for uh, joining us today. Uh, have a happy holiday. Thank you for having me. Uh, oh, you yes. too, yeah. Uh, we we look forward to hearing about uh, all the other more ways that uh, uh, your characters are going to start pounding people in the face. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's it's, what it's I'm endless. looking forward to. Endless You're possibilities. <laughs> yeah, and so and, and Low Midnight is available in January. In January, so it's not even uh, out yet. December 30th. Oh, just, oh, hey, it's, my it's birthday. It's a Happy New Year You're present. Better. So, yeah. Oh, oh nice. happy birthday. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Comes out on my birthday. Now. That means this book is awesome. Yeah, so just just over a week away, uh, it'll be out. Wow. Already a week away? That's, oh. Yes. I know. Isn't that crazy? It's about 10 days uh-huh. away. So and that then, means you can go out, buy the copy of the book, find a ex-bounty hunter slash felon, Running around with an 1800s old lady in his head, casting magic and beating people up. It's <laughs> awesome. 
It should be a TV show. <laughs> it should. It, it really, literally yeah. should. That just sounds great. Awesome <laughs> Forget about forever. Yeah. This show would be awesome. Yeah. Go right after yeah, right after Agents of Shield. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, Carrie, for being on with us. If you have any more projects coming down the line, please, we'd love to have you back on. You can uh, uh, and have you uh, tout your wares, as it were. Yep. All right. That sounds great. Okay. Yes. Well, yep, thank again. you again. Mm-hmm. We're excited. We'll uh, that we'll get your information out so everyone can go buy the book. Everyone listening, go buy the book. It's my birthday. Thank Just you, guys. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Have a good one. <laughs> Thanks. All right, everyone. Carry Vaughn, everybody. Carry Vaughn. <laughs> Author. Writer, extraordinary. We've had, we've had her on so many times. It's it's just every time is so awesome. It's mm-hmm. it's great having yeah. her on. Um, sad thing is, I think she's been on more than Brandon Sanderson, but almost as many times as Bob, mm-hmm. Salvatore, and Tracy Hickman at this point. Okay. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> All right. So it's uh, it's already thirty five minutes past the hour. You're listening to, Dun- to Dungeon Crawlers Radio live from. Uh, Gamers Inn in Lehigh, Utah, if you want to call in with anything for the Gamer Forge, or we will also be speaking with Geek Media and uh, the organizer of Baja Comic Con. His name is Omar. He will be on with us tonight. You can call us at 626-226-1475. Or, as always, you can send us an email at info at no. Oh. no, 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 no. no. So if, you're, if you're emailing for the Gamer Forge, you now email well, Gamer is, Forge this is for at Radio. This isn't for Gamer Forge. Okay. That's well, later. Well, just, let's just throw that out now. So, okay. GamerForge, if you're emailing for GamerForge, it's now GamerForge at DungeonCrawlersRadio.com. Yeah. Made me not that's, look like a fool. No, you're oh, fine. No, we, I didn't even know. We, yeah. We've got a lot of changes oh, okay. coming out. So, for <laughs> well, those of you... Along the way. But, okay, okay. Yeah. if you want to get a GamerForge email out, you can send it at uh, GamerForge at DungeonCrawlersRadio.com. Yes. Or if you want to send us just a regular email, say, you know, there's an interview that's coming up along the line, you want to get a question out, shoot us that email at info, info at DungeonCrawlersRadio.com, and we will answer your questions thusly. Or you're an author, or someone is doing a TV series or a movie, email us, and we'll bring you on the show. You want us to, you want us to uh, pimp your wares, one would say. Yes. We would love to. Also, check us out on Facebook and Twitter. Our Twitter is DCR underscore show. And our Facebook is just Dungeon Crawlers Radio. So we're going to take a small break. Yes, we will be right, right now. Right back. We'll be right back, and then uh, the wonderful guys from YouGeek will be here. Yay! The next half of the interview is going to be brought to you by Amazon.com. Uh, once you're done with listening to the show, if you want to get yourself any of the other books that you've been uh, hearing about in the past few weeks, just go to the sidebar uh, located at DungeonCollegeRadio.com, clear out your cookies, enter in your search term, and shop as normal. It doesn't cost you anything extra, and uh, even kicks a little bit of money back to us. So it's not entirely a selfless gesture. That's Amazon.com.
got them arrested, and they are gone. Oh, wow. So happy about that. Unfortunately, the Sony hackers are still at large yeah. and have actually kind of uh, had a really, they've kind of become terrorists at this point. Yeah, have they, you guys heard about the the new movie, The Interview, that yeah, was supposed yeah, to be yeah, released this weekend? Yeah, that it's been yanked. And it's been, they Sony has canceled the release because of these Sony hackers. They've been um, threatening mm-hmm. to... To essentially, they, they've they've refer, referenced 9/11, saying, "Remember 9/11? You're not going to be want to want to be near the theaters when this movie's released." Really? Essentially, it's kind of crazy. Wow. Well, at the very end of the movie, they, they assassinate like the, the North Korean North leader. Korean president. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and a while ago, a few months ago, actually, when this um, movie first got um, some press about it, the North Korean leader released a statement saying that he looked at it as an act of terrorism and that he was going to. Ooh. Retaliate if they actually release the film, and, and it kind of, you know, fizzled off from there. But apparently, he says that this is an act of right or a righteous act. Yeah. Probably committed by his, um, what would you call it, sympathizers. Yeah. The, I, I don't know if that is that's true, but I mean, it's possible. It, it's it's possible. Um, I because I um I was on the way over here. Um, actually, I was listening um to a another local radio station that I won't name. <laughs> but um, but they um, um, there was an interview. I think it was on um, I think it was on Good Morning America. But um, one of the um, one of the um, in, um, one of the collaborators, I guess, of Anonymous, mm-hmm. who was caught, and this guy now works for I think he works for like the FBI mm-hmm. to help catch other cyber criminals. And he flat out stated in the interview that it was like he's like I uh, he's like I. Like this, this was most likely an inside job. Like somebody, yeah. somebody at Sony fed them information, fed this to somebody else, mm-hmm. and was able to get that information out because there's because North Korea on it. Like he said that North Korea probably doesn't have the resources to do that themselves. Oh yeah, yeah. no, I don't think so. At well, all. Yeah. And this isn't the first time a movie has been pulled by something similar to this because you know just after 9-11 collateral damage yeah. that Arnold Schwarzenegger was, in, was yanked up because there was terrorist bombing in that so Bebop was actually pulled from theaters yeah. for almost an entire year because yeah. of that the, the opening scene that. yeah the opening scene it was actually set to release I think like two weeks after after 9-11 originally mm-hmm. and then but because the opening scene is a, you know a bombing you mm-hmm. know they Felt that you know um, it was a little it was, insensitive. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was probably play, it was a little too close to home on that one, so they yeah. they delayed the release. I think it was who? Oh gosh, I want to say, I don't want to say it was Sony who released that in America. Um, Love Cowboy Bebop though. Yeah, it was That's a great, a it was a great movie. Yeah. It was a great movie, regardless. But it was yeah. just, but yeah, the timing of that was, yeah, like not. It just it just worked out that it wasn't such good timing. So yeah. they delayed the release on it. Spider-Man movie because that was like ninety percent of their, their yeah they, advertising yeah the was, original was web um, between the two towers yeah, yeah I was um oh, yeah. I was um I was actually working at a, a blockbuster when they were still around at the time and the the big thing was um you know for like a month we were we found um God, there was a movie that was uh, Sony had released a movie that was going to have the first trailer for the first Spider-Man movie mm-hmm. so when people rented this movie it would have the trailer mm-hmm. but then they had to pull the movie entirely. Mm. From month because the preview like the first thing that you see is the twin towers and it's like uh yeah we we got to reshoot the whole thing well so, and there yeah. was a, a few scenes from one of the Men in Black movies that mm-hmm. the same thing because part of 
the alien thing was the Twin Towers, and then they were gone. So it's like, oh, yeah, we yeah, got to get that yeah, back. Got to get that out. So um, yeah, <sighs> it's not, you know, and collateral damage. Cowboy Bebop. They did eventually come back out just a little bit later. I'm pretty sure we'll see this movie. Hopefully, yeah. it'll just be. Poor further Seth. down the road. Poor Seth Rogen and James. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. They're going to be stuck with their multi-million dollar mansion. I know. That they and, got from and, World's End, or End of the World or whatever the hell that is. And, and Pineapple movie. Express and oh, every other gosh. movie they've made movie. together. <laughs> yeah, they've they, they, they made some banks, so they're not hurting. Yeah. No. Not only that, they've probably already <laughs> been paid. Well, I'm being facetious. Yeah, yeah I know. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. not very good at it. And yeah. I'm trying. No. Don't don't worry, Zucor. We I I will get you to the point where you're at least a, a few like like a quarter of my facetiousness awesome. or sarcasm. Okay. So right. eventually, eventually one day. So I don't know. So this one's really cool. Uh, <laughs> talking about this because growing up, I watched Sesame Street quite yep. a lot. I'm sure everyone mm-hmm. at this table has. Yep. However, e, Sir Ian McKellen just recently appeared on Sesame Street. To teach Cookie Monster self control. <laughs> For real? <laughs> For real. <laughs> How did yeah. that go? So, pretty much, you know, he, in it, you're, he's going, you know, he's saying, You shall not pass. Please resist. And he just recites those words over and over while holding a cookie in his hand. <laughs> nice. Uh, the word resist means to control yourself and stop yourself from doing something you really want to do. Though that's not. A word the cookie monster really understands. And so, yeah, he just kept doing it. It is hilarious. You need to go up. out and look speaking, at it. Speaking of uh, iconic old men from uh, um, Lord of the Rings movies, mm-hmm. I think it's uh, Christopher, Sir Christopher Lee. Yeah. I believe that, that's his name. Mm-hmm. He's uh, released his, uh, I think it's his, his, his third uh, heavy metal Christmas album. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Oh, so metal. Well, and he just recently turned 92. Yeah, 92-year-old. Oh, well, and, like, he's he does the guitars and he does yeah. the vocals. He can rock. Well, I, That's just so cool. Look, and I know it wasn't him. It was a stunt double mm-hmm. in Lord of the Rings. But just to be 92 years old, I mean, even look at Ian McKellen. These guys are pretty old. Yeah. And they are still acting and doing quite a bit. Not only that, you see them in these movies, but they're also doing Broadway you know, mm-hmm. shows oh, yeah. and and actively doing it. So is Patrick Stewart. And I just yeah, got, McKellen's everywhere. I just have to give these guys props because even as old as they are, they're pretty in good, pretty well into their their later years, and they are doing amazing. They're and they're motivated. in good shape. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, come I'm on. way younger than yeah, I am. Yeah, and for those of you, you gotta go watch this. It is hilarious. Club. You will be <laughs> laughing with Ian McKellen and this giant cookie and cookie monster. Share cookie. it on the Facebook page. Yeah. Our I'm listeners do that right now. can look it up. So, um, I guess uh, we'll, uh, let's see here. Jumping on to another news item here. Uh, uh, the Big Lebowski, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory are now preserved for time immemorial memorial at the U.S. National Film Registry. Um, at the Library of Congress, uh, these three films, including uh, Saving Private Ryan, Rosemary's Baby, and, and Little Big Man, starring Dustin Hoffman, huh. are going to be Basically, they'll have a cut co- at the Library of Congress. There is a copy of those films that no one can touch. Protected for all eternity. Yep, protected. So, like, completely well, protected. at least for a few hundred years until we obliterate ourselves, and then some ancient alien race comes to do our archaeology. Yeah, but at that point, I don't think we're going to be worrying about <laughs> At that point, they're right historical now. records. 
Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> technically, Galaxy Quest. Oh my technically gosh. We, which they're making a sequel. Oh, I know. I'm so which excited. I'm it's excited on Netflix, about. guys. Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. go see it. If you have never seen Galaxy Quest, go watch you it. You have and to then, watch um, it. Remedy that immediately. Yeah, yeah that, that's like required watching. <laughs> um, so uh, Luxo Jr., one of the first short films produced by Pixar, also joined the collection, which brings the total of protected films up to 650. The registry was started in 1989 to preserve films for posterity. That is so cool. I didn't even know they did that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Huh. Um, they, um, the, any film that goes in there must be at least 10 years old. Okay. And voting is actually open to the public. Really? Okay, so yeah. I was just going to ask. All right, who so decides? everybody needs mm-hmm. to start voting in Fifth Element. In a, yeah, yeah, Fifth Element, in the and then in a few more years, Fight Club. Oh, yeah. Yes. Nope. Yeah, Fight, yeah, Fight Club. I mean, Fight Club's old enough now. We could do that. There we go. So everybody start voting in Fight Club. Yep. So, and Firefly. Since you mentioned Ferris Bueller's <laughs> Day Off. And Serenity. Yeah, Serenity needs to go in there. So since you mentioned <laughs> Ferris Bueller's Day Off, uh, I don't know if anyone's been watching the TV show The Goldbergs. Now, this series is based in the 80s, and they have gotten Charlie Sheen to reprise his role of this character he played in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Oh. So, and his and his role literally is boy in police station. Yeah. And so there is going to be a, yeah, there's going to be a scene where someone from the Goldbergs is going to be in a police station, and he's going to be sitting there playing the same character. That's so awesome. 30 years older. Yeah, time has not been exactly super great to, yeah. uh, to Charlie Shane. No, but... But he he won't tell you that. All I can say is he still has a boatload of money. <laughs> yes. And he will never run out of women that want to be his girlfriend. <laughs> or his baby mama. I'm I so guess. glad you continued that sentence. Yes. <laughs> Anyway, oh, so uh, for any gamers out there that like to play League of Legends, there's a new event going on. Uh, started this week and it's going through the holidays called mm-hmm. The Legend of the Poor O King. I don't know if you guys have ever played League of Legends, but it's basically a player versus player, like 5v5 team type. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the new event, you actually throw these little furry creatures called Poros at each other kind of like adding dodgeball to PvP. So pretty you much kill each dodgeball other with and you play dodgeball. <laughs> dodgeball is awesome. All right. I love it. So League of Legends free to play. So Check it out. If you can dodge an arrow, I'm sure you can dodge a ball. Yes. <laughs> it's true. By yeah. the way, that YouTube video of Ian McKellen was No on Facebook page. Go watch it. <laughs> awesome. So watch um it, you. six six wacky Marvel comics crossovers. I'm just look this up. It's wacky. Hilarious. Yes. So, uh, just because I went through this list and I laughed, but first on the list, Eminem and the Punisher. Yep, I read that one. Kill you. <laughs> yep. Um, Does not to end say, in the way that you'd think it would end. No. Not even close. No. Came out in uh, 2009. Dang. Uh, yeah. So, no pie fight. No, 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 no. So we're, I don't know. I still think the most surreal comic crossover I've ever seen was Archie and the Punisher. <laughs> oh, Wow. They the next one, yeah, nope. yeah, they did. They oh did. <laughs> the next one, The Avengers on Late Night with David Letterman. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> that's, I want to read that one. Old one that is like a really 80s, old one. Late seventies, early eighties. Um, nineteen sixty-three. Oh my that's, gosh! Wow, way older than I thought. <laughs> yeah. Um. So apparently, David Letterman's been around for a while, folks. A while. If you haven't noticed, I had no idea. Uh, of course, he's gone now. Um. But yeah, replaced by Stephen Colbert. Yeah. They're actually uh, auctioning off his desk and his uh, fireplace mantle for yeah. charity. 
There's my news. Which is pretty awesome. <laughs> Go back to your news. Uh, <laughs> Spider-Man and Saturday Night Live. Yeah, I remember that one, too. I think that was the uh, late 70s. However, they, they kind of changed the name to Spider-Man and the Not Ready for Primetime Players. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that... Had, you know, the comic included Dan Aykroyd, John Belushi, Jane Curtin, Garrett Morris, Bill Murray, Lorraine Newman, and Gilda Radner. So that tells you how old that comic is. Spider Man was Murray. the only one not doing cocaine. Yep. <laughs> that <laughs> we know of. <laughs> yeah, that we are aware yeah. of. Yes. <laughs> so, and then we had X Men and Star Trek. Bizarre. Uh, well, what is Star- that was in 1996, so more recent. What what hasn't Star Trek really uh, mixed with? I mean, they just did the Doctor Who one. Star Trek Harry Potter is, uh, Star Trek. is trying to find an audience. <laughs> there we go. I found one. You Star Trek and Harry Potter. <laughs> it will ha- now it will happen. I just imagine this. You know, Harry Potter <laughs> appears from a teleportation spell, he and operates. there are the there are the the Borg, and he does his. <laughs> Whatever spell. Patronus. Yes. <laughs> Patronus, and then they immediately adapt to it, and they get assimilated. So, the end. Since you guys spoke of it, Archie meets the Punisher. <laughs> 48 pages, no ads. It was $3.95 in 1994. Wow. 94? I remember seeing yeah. that at the, uh, at the thing, and that almost perked me up to buy a comic. And the tagline is, the crossover you've been dreading. <laughs> yeah. So you have some of the other characters that got pulled into it were Sabrina, the Teenage Witch, and Josie and the Pussycats. Yeah, those are all huh. spinoffs of, uh, yeah. of Archie. Yep. And it looks like we have our uh, and then color. Guiding Light. So. Oh, awesome. Guiding Light. <laughs> yeah. Is that, a soap opera that is a soap opera. It was put together by Marvel. Um, so it looks like we do... Well, it looks like we have Omar on the line. He'll be telling us about Baja Comic Con. Yeah. All right. So, and that comic then. also involved Spider-Man and Wolverine. So. All right. Awesome. Welcome to Dungeon Crawlers Radio. Is this Omar? Uh, gentlemen, welcome. Yes, this is him. Hello. Hi. Amazingly enough, you beat Dennis and Adrian. Yes. And ah, they live closer. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, greetings well and salutations from south of the border, you guys. How are you this evening? We are very cold, except for Flagoon. He is toasty. It's, it is I am really chilly. I'm right now. I've got, that warm. Yeah. I've got goosebumps all over. He, he's lived in Alaska forever, and he this winter time is his summer. <laughs> the rest wow. of the time he's complaining because it's too hot. The rest of the time oh, wow. I'm locking myself in my, ro- in my uh, house, it's, and it's, I've got the air conditioner cranked down to 60. So it's a meat locker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're a good uh, upper 60s right now, so it, it, it's nice. Oh, That's nice. Oh, That's a nice temp. That is the perfect temperature right That's there. where we yeah. were last week. Now we're, yeah, what, now we're all 30s? Yeah, not, qu- up here. not quite low 30s. I think maybe high 30s. Yeah. Low 40s. Oh, I see. Okay. So, it's not too bad. I, well, let me check. I don't mean to rub it in, but um, by the <laughs> middle of next week, we will be in the uh, mid 70s, perhaps upper 80s. Oh. Oh. Mid 70s, wow. huh? I, I'm just going to put on some walking yeah. shoes. I'm just going to walk down there then. I'll, I'll meet you somewhere. <laughs> walking shoes. <laughs> You're more than welcome to. <laughs> so, 
Joe will get there sometime next <laughs> month. In a few months. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> it is currently 37 <laughs> degrees outside. Oh, Yay. oh, oh. wow. See, so oh, that was a good estimation so nice. on my part. I was I totally throwing a guess out Yes, there. you did. <laughs> Welcome. So Omar beat you, and oh, you guys live did. closer. What the heck? <laughs> <laughs> no, just kidding. Dennis call in. Ah, you're fine. Don't worry about so, it. So, yep, so the gang's all here. Yep. So we're on, we're on the line with uh with, so do we should we just call you Omar or do we um is there another title we should uh, be we, we call you? Uh well Omar would it's fine it's my middle name but but sure why not first name is Carlos. Oh okay. All right then so um so so Carlos then okay because right. they have they have the information listed as Omar so okay so 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 Carlos okay. then um what was I guess the impetus of trying to draw um. A, a convention south of the border. What 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 went into that? Good question. Hmm. You should clarify uh, that. Well, it's not at Taco Bell. <laughs> yes, it's not a Taco Bell. For those up here in the states. Uh, well, there's a lot of people on on my neck of the woods, south of the border, that aren't able to make it to uh, Comic Con International. Uh, not, I mean, they have the money. But it's because they have no way of being able to cross into the United States. So I figured, why not bring the convention to them? Makes sense to me. That's yeah. a great idea. Yeah. yeah. So then, I and apparently, it's nice and toasty and warm. <laughs> <laughs> and sandy beaches. <laughs> what, what? I don't see anything wrong here. Because <laughs> our beaches stink. I do, yeah. Yeah, yeah they literally, literally stink. Salt Lake okay. is not very. Uh, so, um, so I guess, what what were some of the early passions? I mean, what what to you made I guess a, a Comic Con uh, a worthwhile thing? Is there is there a, a large market for that down there? Believe it or not, there is, uh, especially within the border cities within Mexico. Um, further inland, uh, it's more about anime than anything else. I mean, Interesting. we do have the major convention down in Mexico, which is La Mole Comic-Con. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken, we do have the one in Guadalajara uh, Comic-Con, and one in uh, Monterrey. It's comic comic convention. Um, Stan Lee, and not mistaken, Mr. William Shackner attended this year at the Monorail Convention. So it, it was pretty pretty interesting. But nice. but yes, now, there is a huge market for, for comics in Mexico. Nice. So is this is this the first year then for this convention? Uh we had our pre convention, I would say it's uh named at the beginning, uh this past November fifteenth. Um our main convention will be June 26th to the 28th, exact, 2015, exactly two weeks and a half before San Diego um, Comic-Con International okay. uh, in Rosarito, approximately about right. 27 miles south of, from San Diego okay. at the convention center. I see. So, what were what are some of the? I mean, because I, I'm I'm only marginally familiar with um, with what uh, some of the culture is like down in Mexico proper. 
uh, you know, what what what's what are sort of some of the big things? Because you mentioned like anime is really big down there. Um, some of the there's I'm sure there are some of the comics that are popular up here that are also popular down there. I mean, what what is it like down there to be a geek? Uh, it's it's interesting, really. Um, since we there, there's nothing in this region that could identify anything that would be that would stand out. To be honest with you, uh, mm-hmm. except for the fact that um, there's um, CCP down in uh, Mazatlan. Um, they actually have uh, like an annual convention for, for anime. Uh, but um, but yes, uh, it just 27. Well, I'm really about. 10 minutes south from San Diego. So basically, what you will find in San Diego, you'll find it here. Uh, there's oh. really ain't much of a difference. Um, the further you go inland, you will notice it. But but as far as if you're within border border reach area, uh, you won't notice a difference. Does, does that make oh. sense? Yeah. It does. Nice. Okay. June is, a, it, June is too far away for me. I want warm weather now. So, this sounds awesome. What's the weather like in June? The weather is hot. 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 Yes. Bikini, sandals. Beach weather. It's it's well, gorgeous. Just leaned awesome. into the mic closer. <laughs> Bikini? <laughs> what? Well, I've yes, my, yes. Uh, my father-in-law is actually from uh, San Luis Puerto Si, so uh we're not, that that's a little bit further south than uh, where you guys are at, but yeah, he's uh, he's always talked about how how hot the summers are there and winters. It is. Yes, they are. It's incredible. I I believe this this past two summers were being higher than normal temperatures, if it's not mistaken. Um, but yes, it, it's nice. We get a lot of people from the states. To be honest with you, that head over to summer. Uh, not just in spring break but you know summertime it's it's nice it's a very nice side here and and why not I, I i encourage everybody from utah if you can make it to our end it you're more than welcome to i i promise you guys will enjoy it so without giving too much do you, can you say anyone you have planned coming to the convention or, or is that you can't say yet uh no no but um I will say this. I have been in contact with uh, Martello. He's one of, well, if not one, but the uh, general show managers for Ghost Hunters for Sci Five. Oh, okay. Yeah, we're we're good friends of uh, Grant Wilson that used to be on that show. So, okay, uh, oh. that'd be good times. I love that okay. show. Paranormal. <laughs> yep. so, it's just, uh, it's, but, but yes. No, go ahead. No, I, I'm, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, I, no, I was just going to say those uh, those paranormal shows are always fun to watch because you see all this dramatic stuff. And if you've ever been on a paranormal investigation, you're pretty much walking around in the and dark, waiting. <laughs> waiting for something to happen, which never happens, and or sitting on your butt and talking to other people. They need to send me with them yeah. because I'm pretty sure stuff would happen. For yeah. some reason, wherever I go, stuff happens. Sweet. <laughs> you're, you're a ghost magnet. I am. 
We need to talk to Grant. Something just fell off the shelf, No, no. I I would move around. I moved like 21 times before I turned 19. Went to college. And I would tell everyone, every house that I live in is haunted. Well, I didn't realize until later that it was probably not that every house was just really haunted. It was just that I happened to notice weird stuff. I'm not crazy. Stop looking at me like moving, that. I keep on moving in these old houses and everything keeps on just making weird bumps. And are, we, are we sure you don't have dual personalities where the other personality moves something and then swaps back and it's like, oh, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Fortunately, I have other witnesses. Oh, okay. no, just kidding. <laughs> going, going back to uh, to uh, oh, Comcom, uh-huh. uh, has there any been any like uh, particular like difficulties the, of getting this convention together uh, as opposed to getting one together in the states? Or um, I don't know how I wanted to question out, but just uh, has has there been any uh, difficulties uh, getting this together? Oh, you name it. Uh, from A to Z. There's a lot of bumps in the road, to be honest with you. Um, first convention, I. it's very hard, especially in Mexico. Um, there's, especially business-wise, you need to have a name for yourself, to be honest with you, before people might start to consider you um, in doing any type of event, being um, entertainment, being sports-wise, any, any type of convention. But but yes, um, unfortunately, I have had good good um, relationship with a um, lot of a lot of businesses within the states. Um, I've been talking with uh, Mr. Brian Brandenburg, uh, mutual you know good good conversations back and forth a few times. Yeah, you know, know but um, I'm trying to <laughs> I'm trying to get him involved. To be honest with you, I know he's been he's been kind of busy lately, so you know I've been giving him a little space, but. Uh, I, I I would like to have Salt Lake Comic Con involved in our convention, you know. Um, as well, I've been talking with uh, with uh, Hawaii Con. Um, they aren't able to make it to our 2015 convention, but hopefully, if things work out, you might see them in 2016. Um, but yes, um, did I answer that question for you? <laughs> uh, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So okay. Then, uh, can you give us a little? Let me give us a little insight into into your to yourself, Carlos. I mean, what are some of what are some of your own personal, um, I guess, uh, passions? Your own personal geek moments. My personal geek moment. It was a couple years ago, to be honest with you, mm-hmm. with Frankenstein Convention out of the City of Industry in California. Where I had the honor and privilege to meet Mr. Stanley for the very first time, up close in person, mm-hmm. and um, we conversed for about a good, I would say, good twelve, fifteen minutes. And um, during those, um, during those, those minutes, it was a blast to be honest with you. Um, he shared some of his stories back then, um, how he was back in Marvel. How he uh, always wanted to uh, uh, keep it um, interesting for for with the characters, you know, as to real life situations, as to make it interesting for 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 the for the public. But um, again, you know, uh, I would say that was one of my best moments. I, I mm-hmm. would say. 
Okay. And so do you uh, do you do you feel like uh, that that uh, personal moment like that can translate into uh, into a full convention, or I guess better to say, do you think that your your convention can can provide moments like that for others? Oh, I believe so. Yes, yes. In fact, I do. Um, there's a lot of people here, uh, especially uh, foster kids uh, with special A kids that um, that are in need, that in love with uh, um, Comic Con. To be honest with you, and that's one of that's one of my passions to um, make that convention. Um, like a Make-A-Wish Foundation in Mexico um, to help make a change for 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 the people that are in need. Uh, that's my goal, to be honest with you. Um, so, but yes, I, I I think that can make a very good and impact difference here in Mexico. Okay. So, uh, the uh, how big is the uh, is the convention center that you're uh, putting this on, and is it you know a, a, a huge grandiose uh, um, place, or is it kind of like going to be like a connection of like smaller uh, hotels? And is it next to the beach? And is it next to the beach? <laughs> so we can see the bikini. <laughs> oh, the shirtless men. Guys. Okay. I, I All right. believe. Fair That's fair. <laughs> Nobody wants yes, to see this. Yes, and yes to your questions. Yes. Uh, we're just walking distance from the beach, to be honest with you. It's a brand new convention center. This is the second year. Uh, since it opened, it has a capacity, if not mistaken, just don't quote me, uh, I believe anywhere from 18,000 to 26,000 people, uh, capacity-wise. Um, it's just one story. Uh, the front end of the convention center has two stories for um, convention, small, smaller conference convention uh, theater. Um, nothing like uh, Salt Lake, you know, the, the palace. But um, it, it, it holds its ground. It, it means it holds international standards when it comes to conventions. I, I would say that much. Good. So tell me, sorry, who are some of the people that you're hoping, special guests that you're hoping to have attend in the future? I would like the uh, the full cast from Star Trek The Next Generation to attend the convention. I would like to have uh, Mr. Robert Downey Jr. Unfortunately, he wasn't able to make it to our convention this 2015, but um, then again, you never know. Um, Mr. David Bautista. He's one other uh, guy that I would like to have him involved. Um, Yes. (laughs) Indeed. Um, the McMahon family, I mm-hmm. known him for a couple of years now, to be honest with you, uh, more a mutual mm-hmm. relationship, you know, and, and other past events when they come over to the, uh, LA area. That's one of the other okay. things that I do. Uh, but yes, um, other than that, um, a lot of local artists, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of local artists that have worked for Disney, Marvel, that um, no longer are um, employed by them, but um, they still do. They well, they still keep on doing what they do best. Uh, that's drawing. So you know, 
there's a lot of talent locally in San, in the states and in Mexico. Ah, I see. So there, um, so I guess your work with the uh, um, with with some of these artists and stuff has that built. Um, I mean, I guess is is your rapport still very strong with them? Do you still get to work a lot with these with the local artists, even though they're no longer employed with the the big companies? Uh, yes. I don't know if this name rings a bell to you, gentlemen, or not. But Mr. Uh, David um, uh, David Garcia, he has worked for uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. He has worked for. Uh, for the tick, if not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um he attended our this previous convention this past fifteenth of November. So um he's other mutual friends that he has. I not good with names so I, I do apologize for that. But that is the one name that I can confirm right now that um that I I am looking forward to work with have him attend our convention again. That would be nice. So I guess to to go back to then your um, to your first convention this past November, I mean, what was I mean? What, can you tell us about what it was like that like the day of and the day before, and then how I mean, how did you feel afterwards? Uh, I felt pretty good to be honest with you. The day before, really, um, day before it, it was on the much much smaller smaller scale. To be honest mm-hmm. with you, um, day before went in, um, set up everything up. Day of the convention, um, we had a little bit over 1,200 people attend the convention. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I figured if uh, San Diego International um, started with uh, much less other some 40 years ago, um, I figured it was it was a good start for us. Hey, Car- and, Carlos. Um, yes. Car- Carlos, Dennis here. Hey, um, 1,200 hey. is not... Uh, Hey, how's it going? <laughs> Pretty good. How you doing, Dennis? Good, thank you. Hey, twelve hundred is not bad because we we went up to Tree City Comic Con. They didn't have close to twelve hundred people, and that was their first year up in up in uh, Boise, Idaho. It was a great convention. They did a fantastic job. But if you pulled in twelve hundred, you're not going to have a problem. I don't think you did. Uh, well, thank you, thank you. Um, but yes, I. I, I I'm sure someone will correct me on wrong on a website somewhere, but it didn't seem like 1,200 people were there. <laughs> well, I, I mean, correcting others. <laughs> All right, we'll we'll, we'll yeah. find out here. I'm going to we'll, Google it. We'll work it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, so with it being so far away, I mean, you, you're obviously probably not nearly under the same kind of pressure. You will be. Can you maybe give us a little insight about what some of the duties that you're going to be carrying out, and you know, what what goes what goes into putting the convention all the way together? What 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 do you do for that? Oh wow! Uh, first off, stress, stress, and stress, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> just I, I I rely on my team. Um, I I have no way of uh, of doing this without them. To be honest with you. Um, they are, they are my crew. Um, you name it. I pretty much lay out everything on the piece of paper down to the very last detail as to exactly how many screws I'm going to use for this convention. Um, the reason I do that is because I, if I don't do it, then who will do it? But, um, the duties... 
First off, um, bring Comic-Con into the U.S., Baja mm-hmm. Comic-Con. I've, I've, I see myself within the first three years doing nationally within Mexico, mm-hmm. and then by the fourth or fifth year, going internationally into the States. Wow, that would awesome. be that would be big. That'd be very big. So, um, I guess then uh to help get the word out then about about getting people to attend and make you know people coming in from not just just on that side of the border, but people from the states being able to come over. How how can our listeners find out more about that and make it start getting their tickets and start getting excited for for your guests and the events that'll be coming in? Uh well, just you can look us up online or on our website, BajaComicon dot com. That goes well for our Facebook, Twitter, and um those are our only three actual pages that we have at the moment. Um except for YouTube, but um that's not up and running as of yet. Uh but yes, all the information for this um next year will be will be up and running by January seventh, if not mistaken. So all updated information as to uh, special um, artists, um, ticket sales, um, hotel reservations, um, local travel. Um, there's a lot of historical sites down in Baja. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it, it's it it will it will be very 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 convenient. Um, why? Because starting next year, I will shoot some tickets over your way as courtesy tickets. So um, have your listeners um, be listening. Oh, excellent. I tickets going out, so you know. And, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty much about it. So you, you mentioned hotels and stuff. What's, uh, what's the price range of the hotels down there? Is it about the same as we could expect from Southern California, or is it uh, different being in Mexico? Well, it's a little bit um, cheaper, to be honest with you. But um, a regular stay, one night, will run you anywhere from, I would say, $16 to perhaps forty, forty-five $45. Yeah, I'd say that's a little Andy. cheaper than San Diego. That's a lot cheaper. <laughs> yes, yes. Now, if you decide to go to one of the very, very like luxurious hotels, then you know you can pay anywhere from a hundred, a hundred and twenty dollars for the night. You know, but the. No. All right, you're uh, you're breaking up there, uh, Carlos. Uh, how much should that go for? From a hundred, a hundred and twenty dollars a night. For uh, five five star hotels, if you decide to go that way, but um, but yes, I mean, yeah. uh, normally All I need a bed in the shower <laughs> hey. and no cockroaches. <laughs> no, but yes, um, there are some good. <laughs> there are some good hotels in the area, so so that 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 is good. So uh, uh, no worries on your end. Awesome. I, I like to ask a question, Car- Carlos. With with the convention being so close to the border, um, programming. How are you planning to incorporate programming to include those who? And I don't know if this question was actually asked already because we got a little late. But um, to incorporate uh, Spanish and non-Spanish speaking uh, fans who are going to attend the convention, uh, are, are you putting that into consideration with your programming? Uh, 
almost definitely, yes. I'm working with um, translators um, within the U.S. and Mexico. Um, and But, yes, I have thought of that in advance. And, yes, I will have some Spanish artists for those um, non-speaking um, English. I will have translators. So, uh, But, yes. Excellent. All right, so now, okay, now I, I, I gotta ask though, is is there any plans to be having like uh, any lucha libre on display here for Baja Comic Con? Because I would like, I would die, I would, oh. I, I would. Oh, Carlos, there's there's an idea for you. Set up a ring, <laughs> and have and have fights, and then you have can have all your nacho libre cosplayers. <laughs> That's actually pretty awesome. <laughs> That'd be really cool. I would say this. Uh, I'm already ahead of you guys. Ah. <laughs> Actually, uh, the court brought up a great question, which I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish my uh, my portion off. Everybody else, <laughs> go on. But uh, how is the uh, the uh, cosplay uh, community down in in Mexico? Are they more skin based? Or they do they go for the full foam, uh, the full like four inch foam uh, outfits that you see in the colder gender areas? You know, it's crazy out here. I would say, if not as exactly within the States, I would say it's a little bit better. They do go way out, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I mean, it's very expensive. <laughs> yes, it's a very a very expensive if, for a cosplayer, you know, for the outfit and stuff. But yes, I do have, um, in the region, his name is um, Angel Frost. You might know him good as um, Dr. Oct. He's attended a lot, a lot of Comic-Con conventions in the state, so um, he is one of our members, okay. I would say. Um, not not a staff member, but he's one of the uh, cosplayers that that um, is officially for Baja Comic-Con. But, but yes, um, if you go to our um, our Facebook page, under uh, Baja Comic Con, um, you would notice that um, up there are some pictures of our press conference this past August, and um, you would know there that I have a couple of cosplayers up, and those are one of the official cosplayers at that from our convention. Uh, okay. The majority of cosplayers are underage, so you know, um, but it's. Just the way it is in Mexico, the majority are underage. But um, yeah. but but, <laughs> but yes. <laughs> um, so are you going to be? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no. Go ahead. I was just going to ask about any um, events that you'll be having hosting during the uh, convention that you might want to talk about. Uh, like well, uh, I would night like life, to say- like concerts and stuff. Yeah. Uh, well, this January, I will be attending at the uh, Staples Center. Well, I see my my other business. I I'm an owner of lighting and sound system for very very large venues. Um, it's a family business, so I, I have the honor of working on both sides of the border. Um, the majority is for Latin America um, artists. Daddy Yankee, Don Omar, 
um, Ricky Martin, Shakira, um, Vicente Fernandez, just to name a few. And um, it will be like a small Woodstock, I would say, for for a weekend Very convention cool. called Calibash. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, it's January. Uh, tickets start at $24. And um, But on April the 20th in Mexico, it's known for... Well, every other day in Mexico, they celebrate something. Why? I don't know. It's just the way it is down here. But um, <laughs> on the uh, April 20th, it's the day uh, of the kids. It's called El Dia del Niño. And um, I will be uh, having a con- a, uh, an event, a uh, charity event, that will benefit foster kids um, for those who are... Um, disabled and um i encourage everybody that 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 can help um any way possible um being canned goods foods toys um anything will be will be very much appreciated very helpful for these for these kids that are in need and um but yes other than that uh after that it's just our convention date june 26th or 28th 2015 rosarito baja california at the Baja California Center. That's the convention center. All right. So Baja, okay. Um, so, again, that's, uh, and that is uh, BajaComicCon.com, where we can start finding information and start getting our tickets? Uh, yes, yes. Um, as of right now, our actual website is not actually updated. You will still find what you would, would find on our previous convention this past November. But yes, uh, by January seventh, all that information will be updated. But yes, that that is our we- that is our official website, BajaComicCon.com. Carlos, I, I have one probably last question I'd like to ask. Um, what, okay. What's the what's the energy in Baja California off of off of the Baja Comic Con? Um, what's local officials? Because I'm sure you've been working a lot with the local officials, police, government, things like that. What's their consensus? Can can you kind of share with us probably what you've been taking away with meetings with city council people or or what have you down there? Does that question make sense? To be honest, yes, yes. To be honest with you, very honest, I had very little communication with the local and state government, to be honest with you. Why? It's because it's, uh, again, um, it's very difficult. I'm pretty much doing everything on my own. Um, I'm not that you have to have (laughs) geeks are going to have fun regardless (laughs) of what people are in the area think or not but I was wondering if you kind of had what kind of relationship you'd worked out with them but Uh, very 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 good to be honest with you yes Um, there's a a lot of um, very uh, very much interested in this convention because one like San Diego they, they they bring in bring in the bucks, to be honest with you. So being two and a half weeks before them, um, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of energy, a lot of publicity. So I, I you know, I'm gonna lean towards that way, you know. And why not? If you want to attend two conventions, why not? Price will be yeah. a little bit lower than you expect with from San Diego International, to be honest with you. But hey, um, if you want to have double the pleasure. Why not? Yeah, right. <laughs> I love double the pleasure. 
<laughs> Double this time? Yep. Sold. Back it up oh, wait. <laughs> it's not that kind of show. <laughs> well, no comment. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah right? <laughs> no, I, I, I'm just playing. <laughs> yeah. So we uh, well, thank you for being on with us, Carlos. We look forward to hearing more and more and more about Baja Comic Con as uh, as the weeks go on. So if you have any more information, you have a, new, uh, a list of um, of new of all the of your guests and your artists and all the events that'll be going on. We'd love to hear about it. We'd love to have you back on the show. Yeah, definitely. Well, guys, I thank you for uh, having me on. It's been a pleasure um, speaking with you guys. Uh, yes, most definitely. I will keep you guys updated in uh, any all information that I will have available for you guys. Uh, yeah, remember, yeah. I, I will have some tickets. Um, um, I will forward them your way. So, listeners, uh, you know, stay updated. Yes, absolutely. We Flying will. from here to San Diego is very cheap. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, and who yep. doesn't want to go to Baja, Mexico? Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Awesome. Well, thank you very <laughs> much for your time, Carlos. Look forward to hearing from you in the near future. Thank you. It's been a pleasure, guys. Enjoy your evening. Merry Christmas. Pleasure. Happy New Year. Yep. Bye, Happy New Year to you. Bye-bye. Happy Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs> All right. Carlos from Baja Comic Con, everyone. So yeah. exciting. Get your, tickets now, or get your tickets as soon as they're, they're available. So I make Just, a vote that we decide <laughs> to go yeah, <laughs> and right? take yeah. you out of way. It's going to be our out-of-state convention this <laughs> year. Out-of-state. Yeah. Out-of-state I've never been to Mexico. Yeah. It's gorgeous. It's going to be awesome. It's gorgeous. <laughs> I've, been, I've almost been there. Well, it kind of depends um, on where you go in Mexico. True. Some places are not so nice. Juarez, uh, not so good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> All right, so we're going to be closing up this, uh, the last, uh, poss- quite possibly our last live show of uh, DCR for the year. We'll be back with uh, New Geek Media. Yeah, going to be keeping Wait, us in. Are you going to talk to us for a while? Yeah, yeah, we'll, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll talk to you today. No, cool. you, get, you guys get the, any, the final word. Do we have any Gamer Forge? Tonight, uh, we had so many things going on this uh, this week. Yeah, I think uh, with the, so many so many interviews. We're gonna that we're save gonna it. forego the gamer forge. Sorry, gamer uh, forge. Sorry, I'm sad too. What's, I was wait. What's gamer forge? I love I gamer half, forge. Uh, gamer forge. That, that, that's gamer gonna take into uh, is a uh, email and uh, people will have problems with their uh, their game. They'll email in their oh, problems. Oh, that's right. That's right. I see the reminder. And it's then we'll fun. we'll hash out whatever this yeah. thing is. I was actually kind of hoping we'd get like an we, impromptu phone call from the kids' uh, principal this week. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Why are you telling my kids that they can play Dungeons and Dragons for schoolwork? Why can't? I know. Yeah, but I, I actually it. got credit in my art class when I was in junior high for drawing a map. He gave right? me extra. He gave me credit for a for a free. Anyway, a free draw assignment thing. That's so, awesome. Yeah, I got credit for drawing D and D map. Sweet. <laughs> right, D and D. Well, maybe maybe we can if we do end up doing something possibly for one of our next couple of shows maybe we'll do some game reports yeah there's gonna be pro- there's probably gonna be a few especially with the sites um, hopefully yeah with dungeoncollegeradio.com being in sort of a in state of flux don't forget if you do it's have a gamer up. forge yeah and if you do have a gamer forge question email it to gamerforge at dungeon callers radio now Right now. Instead of the other yeah. one. Send it right now. <laughs> Do it now. <laughs> we I, will answer uh, them as soon as we get to them next year. <laughs> <laughs> so it looks, like, it looks like we got a looks like we got a phone call. Ooh. All right. 
Welcome to Dungeon Crawlers Radio. Who's calling? Oh, my God, you guys have not burned down the show yet. Congratulations. <laughs> Drew! <laughs> we have not. Drew lives, and he's sobering up here. to talk somewhat. <laughs> so, do you have hey a question guys. for our our, uh, our friends with you, Geek? Drew? No, but, well, hey, uh, how are you guys, Dennis, Adrian? How are you two? Hi, Drew. Hey, we're doing well. Great. Um, <laughs> Thanks, no, Ross. So, we, hey, we, you're so welcome, man. Uh, we had a blast over at the uh, at the uh, cosplay ball. So hopefully we can see you guys there at another point in time. But uh, I wanted. Oh to yeah, call what, in. were you dressed up? Who were you? I feel bad, Drew. I I dressed up as the ugly guy in the beard. He had the <laughs> oh. he had he had the kitten skull shirt on. I was the guy in the ugly <laughs> guy. With the beard. And then and I matched because I had my skull shirt top on. Oh, oh, that's um, right. Uh, Drew, dude, do you know how bad I am with names? Have any idea? Oh, you're good, bro. <laughs> I well, was, I was cosplaying, cosplaying as the Invisible Man, namely because I was never told that there was anything going on. <laughs> <laughs> oh. It's all good. You guys know me as Mark From that uh, Tim Stiller movie. Memoirs of the no, Invisible Man. Uh, uh, no, um, Mystery Man. Mystery Man, were you that Invisible Man? No. No. Uh, okay, good. <laughs> So, Drew... <laughs> well, wasn't he only invisible when he was naked, naked or something? Yeah, okay, he, was yeah, invisible, yeah. he was only invisible when nobody was looking. Yeah. yeah. And right. Oh, yeah, I'd be naked. So, Drew, I heard that you went to a uh, showing of The Hobbit. Oh, yeah, I did. you watched uh, all of them in a row. Tell us about that. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty incredible. I ended up being gone at, for about 11 hours total, but... Um, they did a back-to-back-to-back screening on Monday, um, actually. So I got to watch all three of them with about a 20, 25-minute break in between in an IMAX and 3D. So it was oh it was God. a pretty yeah. epic Monday. Yeah. So jealous. Uh, I don't, I don't it was, know if that would be a good thing. I don't, I don't know it, either. That's that's rough. I would want to, like, just watching so, the first one made me laugh. I, you. No, man, the, the first one, well, see, we didn't go to the high frame rate. It was just the, the IMAX 3D, but it wasn't in high frame rate. So that was a little bit of relief on the eyes. But um, I actually had the hardest time with the first one. Like, I was so antsy, and, like, my, you know, I had squirmy legs, and then, like, when they got to Rivendell and it got all boring, I slept for, like, 10 or 15 minutes and woke back <laughs> up and, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I was actually going to ask uh, that if there are people in the. Yeah. <laughs> I know I still can't make it through Lord of the Rings. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But two, two was great and three was incredible. So I, I just, it was a, a very intense day of movie watching for sure. Wow, I, I, yeah. I really am the minority here. I feel so left out. Can I just say something? I was terrified of smog. I was literally like <laughs> shaking. You dragon, ever. Oh my gosh! He, he was know. pretty intense. Oh my uh, gosh! You, yeah, you're still still like going the, up against dragon hard. Lane. I still just, think mob is better. Just <laughs> wait. There, there, oh my gosh! Henry. There was puff the magic dragon. But Henry, that's Seriously, true. I was I was petrified. <laughs> so scary! It made me fear dragons. Like I kill dragons almost every day in Skyrim. They're not real dragons. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, man. The way that they, like the way that they animated his fire, uh, his breath was just insane. It yeah. was the most so terrifying cool. thing ever. So, 
a oh, dog in the background. Oh, the yeah. The new movie, the first oh, 15 minutes of the best part. It was amazing. <laughs> I, I pretty much cried, though, through the entire thing. And he looked over at me. He's like, why are you crying? I'm like, because I'm really scared right now. <laughs> so here's a thought. Let's all pitch in. Go uh, rent uh, Bruby's screen and have a back-to-back of The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. Oh, my gosh. Oh, jeez. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, with beer, be, about, about yes. 20, 24 hours straight. Yeah, that would be like be. a weekend <laughs> event. That's a bender right there. That is Let's a, do it. That would be pretty I'm, I'm in. Well, I'm up there. Was, it, it's actually funny because there was um, a pre-screening uh, featurette with um, – um, um, why did I forget his name? Jackson. What is his first name? You know, Peter, Peter Jackson. Jackson. Peter Jackson. Peter. I was going to say Stephen Jackson. I think that was wrong. So, um, <laughs> but Peter Jackson, there, there was like a little five minute snippet with him, like thanking people for seeing this, you know, before just about anybody else. And he said, next mm-hmm. up will be, uh, will be the, uh, Hobbits and Lord of the Rings all back to back, you know, and he was, he kind of made a joke about it, but I, I think, uh, Someone can make a lot of money off of that. Be the first ones to do it. Oh, yeah. There you go. We'll make it official. Hey, so I just actually called in. Yeah, of the Hobbit movies. Yeah. Because you know those are coming out. Oh, of course they are. Those are on the way. Yeah, yeah. Totally. You guys are laughing. I'm totally serious. (laughs) I think it could work. I I, I get (laughs) it. It it would be be pretty rough. They have food and bathrooms at Ruby's. And. Yeah, that's right. We just alternate like. Energy drink. I think you need to have a shower in those facilities oh, if you're going to do yeah. <laughs> 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 We've all been at we, for three days. We, we just all shower right before we go. Right? Yeah, bring pajamas. Yeah. I'll yeah, bring my pajama party and yeah. popcorn and soda. Oh, man. This, yeah, I'm not showing awesome. up to like a 24 hour movie thon without oh. dressing comfortably. Yeah, I'm wearing like. Oh, yeah. I'd probably say about halfway through Return of the King, I'd just flip the. I'd turn the. Fire sprinklers on just for about five minutes. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> and turn them back off. Put the console. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, hey guys, I watching. Nothing happened. <laughs> we should do it. So I, I called in just to correct you. We did have one minor uh, gamer forge today that kind of came through my inbox as I was redoing the website, but it's actually a follow up from our friend Randall. Um, who, Lane, you made the joke about yelling Who's at the Who's this Lane guy you speak of again? Oh, gosh, dang it. <laughs> Every week through. Um, yeah, I know. Hey, who's this okay, new guy you speak of? Um, so Randall Jacobson writes back in to tell us that not only did he go and talk to his principal about the D&D club, but he played his principal a segment of our show, and the principal immediately approved the D&D club into the high school. So just a little follow-up of what of what we talked about last week that some of our advice helped uh, get Randall's Aww. D&D group approved. So congratulations, Randall. We look forward to hearing about you and your campaign at your school. So that's pretty much all I had, guys. I just wanted to bring that into the show. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. Thank you. I'll, I'll share a quick story with you. I, I tried to start a gaming club in my high school and was shot down over and over and over again. So anybody who can do that, mm-hmm. props. I'm getting yeah. the clip. Way to go. Yeah, awesome. Oh, I've got 
skin, yeah. and I was like 20 years old. So. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that, that was back when D&D was of the devil. That, that, was, well, that, that, was, that was back in the day where you actually had to draw a summoning circle oh, to summon it. your, your demon. Still, though, I am yeah. really impressed. I mean, that takes, that takes a lot of guts to that say, does. no, actually, I want you to listen to this because this is important to me, you know? Like, mm-hmm. that's awesome. I never would have cool. done that when yep. I was a kid. Yeah. Props to Randall, man, for sure. So. Yeah. That's well, great. You guys have a great rest of the show. I'm gonna not interrupt you anymore. So, <laughs> and Drew, your name's in my head forever. So, I'll, I'll okay, I miss you, <laughs> Drew. I don't, I don't believe it. I'll reintroduce myself next time we see each other. I look right. forward to, I look forward to getting together, guys. So, you all have a great one and happy holidays, everybody. So, you yeah. too. Have a good holiday. We'll see you when you get back, Drew. Yeah. Bye. All right. Bye bye. All right. Oh man, that's a cool story. <laughs> that, that that has a nice little little ending to it. Yeah. It does. So yeah, hopefully everything continues to roll really well with and them. He used he used our, our just a recording of us just like these guys said <laughs> so, it. So well, yeah. I'm gonna play this. <laughs> <laughs> they can listen to what they have to say about D and D being awesome for school, and then I'll be back in five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's really cool. Right. So. Get back to let's you know, let's talk about let's talk about Yugi. Talk about uh, talk oh yeah, about yeah. We are here, aren't we? Yeah, you guys yeah. are here. We you know we we, we invite you, you over. Probably already talked about all the fun stuff before we got here. So. Yeah, oh, we we, 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 rained our, we tried um, to rain ourselves yeah. in. We didn't talk about FantasyCon at all. Didn't? Oh, you didn't? No, we yeah, haven't oh. yet. we yeah, waited this, for this you guys. You guys, you guys okay. Get to yeah, do it. Uh, uh, I showed up late that day. Oh, did you? Their press conference. Yeah, they. They had uh, some big announcements to make. They're uh, they're changing venue from uh, Salt Lake City to Sandy City. They're going to be at the Sandy Expo Center. Um, and they're uh, of course the big delay or the the big, uh, big the big news is the delay. <laughs> um, delay. Yeah, <laughs> they're uh, of course delaying uh, FantasyCon 2015. They're not going to do. They're not going to be doing that. They're going to be uh, uh, waiting until 2016. But uh, if you go to yougeekmedia.com and read the awesome article that I wrote uh, on the press conference uh, that I posted yesterday, um, I, I think it's going to be well worth the wait. It's going to be awesome. Uh, they need the time to make the convention bigger and better in every way. And um, uh, you know, the, the first thing I say in, in my in my article is that uh, spend five minutes talking with anybody on the FantasyCon team, yeah. and you'll immediately just you, you get it. Mm-hmm. They get it. You'll get it just by talking to them. They're amazing people, and uh, they have some amazing things in store. So I think yeah. it'll be worth the wait. So yeah. I, I mean, waiting an extra, uh, effectively waiting an extra year. That's that's not really common amongst conventions because they're because <laughs> conventions usually roll in a one year cycle where it's like mm-hmm. it's like clockwork. And, and and of course, this is exactly the opposite of the other big convention in the area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And well, you, you know, real quick, um, Adrian Adrian titled the. Uh, the article, I forget the exact title, but the, at the end it says, why it's no big deal. Mm-hmm. And, and I almost wish she'd said why it is a big deal, because it is a big deal that they are delaying a year. The big deal is the fact that they want every aspect of the convention to be a unique experience mm-hmm. for every person who attends it. Mm-hmm. So every year, this thing's going to get bigger and badder, because they don't want someone to walk in in a year and go, oh, this is just like last year. Yeah. Why or did I like- spend... A regular 50, 100 bucks or whatever to come here when it's the exact same thing I saw a year ago. Mm-hmm. 
they want a unique experience. So it is a big deal yeah. that they're postponing it to make it a big deal for everybody yeah. when you walk through that door. Mm-hmm. One of the things I'm really impressed with, too, is that they're not just saying, okay, well, we'll see you in a year and a half. Bye. They're actually, like, actively engaging their oh, sorry, engaging their um, their fan base. They're saying, oh, we're not going to leave you alone. We're going to do, you know, they're bringing together lots of events. In the meantime, film quest is a big thing film, that they're doing. Yeah, so film quest. Festival. They're doing tons of charity events. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, in like a week, they're going to be doing something on Saturday, um, the twenty second. The Hogle Zoo, I believe. Yeah, oh. um, they're doing the Hogle Zoo. They're doing heroes for the holidays. Yeah. Um, on the twenty second, you can go between six and eight and um, dress up in costume if you want. Go take pictures with heroes. Take your kids see the lights at the zoo, and they're doing stuff like that. And they're going to be doing it, you know from now until they do FantasyCon, and I think that's the best way to keep people... For for anybody who doesn't know anything about Film Quest, Film Quest is um, toe-and-toe, I mean, not toe-and-toe, but really equivalent to a Sundance. Mm -hmm. Um, They, by submissions and screenings, they are the second largest um, film festival in the United States. Yes, the world. Uh, No, Utah. Utah, oh, Utah. Yeah, Yeah, it was Utah. Utah. I'm sure the world has some bigger Soon. Films. Sorry. <laughs> Soon. 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 That's still impressive, though. So, yes, it is very impressive. Since there's probably a, a handful of film festivals now in, in mm-hmm. Utah. Yeah. Um, so it, it's going to, and, and it's a science fiction, fantasy, horror film festival. Mm-hmm. So it's a very genre specific um, compared to a Sundance. But uh, I think and, that's and going to be a really huge event for them every every year. It's going to be every year. So they can not. officially officially claim too that they are an award-winning um, film festival mm-hmm. already. Oh, already because they won the City Weekly. City Weekly Best New Film Festival in Utah last year. That's probably the only new. Film <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so appar- yeah. apparently, yeah. apparently there are enough new film festivals in Utah every year to warrant a City Weekly award, which seems kind of. Regardless, silly to me, they, but they, they would but deserve it. Regardless, they, they they did so. a good job, and they had some people from all over the world uh, submit yeah. their films and actually come in to uh, to the award ceremony. Well, these films so. are Oscar, they, they've had Oscar nominated films premiere at their their film festival last year. Yeah, I think there were there were two or three mm-hmm. um, short films that went ended up going to the Oscars that premiered at uh, at Film Quest. That's so. so cool. So yeah, Film Quest is gonna be a big deal. In, yeah, in so they're already building a strong yeah. pedigree. In their mm-hmm. that first year, so this next one should be and the, equally and the and the award. Mm-hmm. I want that award. The, oh yeah, oh, the, the trophy. Yes, yeah. the, the Cthulhu award. Yes. I want to mount that on the hood of my, my car. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've got the Cthulhu fish on the back of my truck. Uh, I gotta have something on the front, uh, and that, that, just, that just is perfect. That thing would be stolen so, so we fast. need to make a movie. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> that's almost like the same. Like, dude, we're making a bar. We're 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 opening a bar. Oh my gosh. We're gonna open a bar, man. Yeah, dude, we're fill- we're making a movie. I was really worried for a second where that was going. I thought it was something else too. And you and I were thinking the same thing, weren't we? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like what most people. Do. Okay. We we didn't say what kind of movie it had to be. <laughs> Yeah, that's what you guys were worried about. Yeah, yeah. Fantasy horror. Exactly, that's what I meant. Yeah. Starring uh, fantasy. <laughs> so, 
But yeah, like you were saying earlier, you talk to any of the FantasyCon staff, mm-hmm. and you're immediately like, oh, yeah, okay, Josh is so passionate. He's amazing. He's so awesome. Like, yeah. He's like, no, this is how I want it to be. I want people to be able to come here and feel alive and have an adventure and just, you know, and be able to afford it. I think that's so awesome that mm-hmm. someone's willing to put so much time and effort yeah. and and without bring without that. revealing, you know, without revealing too much because you know he gave he he clued me in on some oh, uh, some little information. information. So, but Which I we will beat probably, Joe for later. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I can. I'll, um, but like it's like they're like it like anything regard you know regardless of what any outside influences will say any outside reports or any. Any insiders of other conventions will tell you FantasyCon was successful. Mm-hmm. It was a success. Any way you slice it, yeah, they didn't have the same number of people coming in. You know, they didn't have the same. You know, they they you know they yeah they had their celebrities and stuff, but they you know but they they weren't necessarily trying to pack the aisles with a hundred thousand people or whatever. Right. You know, they still they met their goals. It, One way or another. Unfortunately, so they, in our society, success equals dollar signs. Mm-hmm. Success does not have to equal dollar signs. Yeah. yeah. There was, yeah, all objectives were met. And Josh was yeah. like, and he he said very bluntly, he's just like, yeah, and it was like, like people got it. Everyone got it. Mm-hmm. Like if, if people were, everything he set out to do, he did. Yeah. So. My my six-year-old. Mm-hmm. He keep, he asked me every day, Mom, I want to go to FantasyCon. When to, when to FantasyCon? <laughs> I'm like, um, well. It's going to be when you're seven, yeah. <laughs> so you're going to have to well, wait nice, a little while. The nice thing is, though, is it's, it's a one-year delay. It sounds yeah. like they're ramping up that this will be the only delay in the convention going forward. Yeah, yeah they're already working on 2017, they yeah, said. Yeah, so, so. They, they, they're getting a plan going yeah. here, so that's good. That's yeah, so. they're get, getting the ball rolling to, to make this a, an annual thing for mm-hmm. sure. One thing that uh, I came away with from the press conference that impressed me the most, and uh, actually Josh became extremely emotional when he was talking about it, mm-hmm. was the event they have the day before the commission opens, mm-hmm. where they bring in children who are sick or have medical problems or things like that, mm-hmm. to where they normally couldn't be in a group of 50,000 people. Mm-hmm. So they bring them in for a special day, full convention, full access to everything, and they get to do everything. Because mm-hmm. like Josh said, there are kids that were at the last one that have passed away since. Yeah. and which Which is tragic to hear, but... They were able to have through FantasyCon a, a an experience once in their life that they had until their life was over. Yeah, I was there that night. There was uh, it was really cool to see all those kids. They had uh, I can't remember how many. Talk into the mic, not ha- ha- no. Sorry. sorry, they had ha- half a dozen or so uh, different kids charities, uh, Make a Wish and um, Premier Children's. I think was there. And anyway, ha- about a half a dozen of them. There were a lot of kids there. A lot of parents. Um, it, it was it was really cool. Yeah. It was really cool to see. Just, just just doing that, it should cause people just to go to the convention, yeah. Or, yeah. or just you know what, go buy a ticket and consider a donation to the convention. Yeah. yeah. And and if you don't want to go because if they they do so much for our community, and I don't see them stopping. So there's real heart in it. There's a, there's a sure. true passion that you get when talking to anybody involved with FantasyCon and. Yeah, I love I love all the people. Anybody I talk to that deals with FantasyCon, I'm I'm like I love you already. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> awesome. All right, so before we uh, because we're running down to the last like sixty seconds of here, 
90 seconds. There we go. Wow. <laughs> so so what can we expect to see in the next issue of You Geek Magazine? This. Look at my phone. Oh, I'm just Your phone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. It, it's, wow. our, it's our comic book issue. We got uh, some comic book themes going on. Uh, we got a, a local artist doing the cover for us. Turned out really well. Finally Ooh, got cool. that finalized tonight. Um, you want to go into the uh, the ar- actual articles we're doing or leave that for a surprise? Um, you, you know, and, and just to kind of preface for people, as as we're starting as being a small magazine, Okay. Oh. We don't have a lot of space or a lot of time, apparently. Um, so our our articles are themed um, for the issue. Mm-hmm. And as our mm-hmm. magazine gets bigger, we, we've had some people ask us about this. Um, as our magazine gets bigger, we're going to be able to put more variety in it. Yeah. Right now, uh, we have an uh, article called um, um, American Comics versus Manga. Mm-hmm. So it's basically mm-hmm. a comparison between what, what you would expect to see in, in Japan to America in the ways of comics mm-hmm. and things like that. So. Cool. That's, that's one of the articles. All right. All awesome. right. And Looking you can find forward you to it. You Geek Media. Yes, UGeekMedia.com or UtahGeekMagazine.com. Oh, Facebook. That's right. So, um, wow, that's already the end of the year. So, um, Happy New Year, Salt Lake. Happy New Year, world. Yeah. And as always, Merry please Christmas. get more from your games. Merry Christmas. I get it. You're here to show me my past. I'm supposed to get all doe-eyed and mushy. Well, forget it, pal. You got the wrong guy. That's exactly what Attila the Hun said. But when he saw his mother, Niagara Falls. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> Good night, guys. <laughs> Bye-bye, boys. Have fun storming the castle. Think it'll work? It would take a miracle. Bye-bye. Bye.